Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Yo, welcome back, everyone. We are back with another episode of Conversations. Z, we have a full house today, and we've been talking offline, having a really interesting discussion, which we're going to pull everyone into. And it's around these one-sided perspectives and one-sided narratives, and really just a lack of empathy. Very simple stuff, like being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, understand where they're coming from, understand that the world doesn't revolve around you, that if you expect something of someone else, it's reasonable to think that they might expect the same thing of you. And the reason we're covering this is that we're just looking at everything that's going on in the world. So much craziness as we've talked about. I mean, we went from pandemic, now we've jumped into this war. There's the potential for escalation. Of course, the nuclear threat is always hanging in the background. But even aside from that, what I find fascinating, this entire narrative around Russia versus Ukraine is so incredibly one-sided. I mean, just outrageously one-sided. And I'm not here to defend Russia by any means to say that one is right and the other is wrong. What I will say is that the Western media has taken control of this situation. And whether you're looking at the liberal side or the conservative side, which normally offer different perspectives, the message today is completely uniform. And that message is that Putin is an aggressor. He's not just an aggressor. He's crazy. He's actually a madman. Uh, There's talk about how he isolated himself during COVID. There's stories about how he hasn't had contact with the outside world. So he's just painted as this lunatic who's making increasingly unstable decisions. And he's invading a democratic country. He's doing so for no reason. There's this pretext of Nazism. So he's talking about how he has to go and denazify Ukraine. And just that statement is taken as evidence of his insanity. So you read the articles or you look at the media coverage and it's almost brushed off. It's like, what are you talking about? Denazify? How crazy are you? Of course, the place isn't run by Nazis. And what's interesting is we've been talking about Z is when you dig into it, his claims are correct. There's no other way to say it. Now, you could argue about the spin. I'm sure Putin is putting his own spin on it. Maybe he's painting more of a dire situation than than actually exists. But if you look at the Nazi problem in Ukraine, it's a well-documented problem. And it's something that's been documented in the Western media for years. It's nothing new. It's been out there for a long time. Uh, Ukraine fought with Germany uh, in World War II, fought off Russia, And there's a big nationalist sentiment in Ukraine. And there are certain people who are Nazi collaborators. Uh, This one guy, Bandera, who actually was awarded the Hero of the Ukraine Award. So the Hero of the Ukraine Award is the highest award that you can get in Ukraine. This is what was given to 13 soldiers who allegedly died at the hands of Russians a few weeks ago. That's another false narrative. So it turns out that (laughs) they were actually perfectly fine. The whole story was that they told Russians to go and fuck themselves, and then they were executed. But a few days later, people found out that they were just captured, and they were all alive. But put that aside, before the world found out that they had died, 
or sorry, that they were living, they were given the hero of the Ukraine award. Uh, so it's the highest award. And that award, again, in 2010, was given to this guy, Bandera, uh, who killed 100,000 Poles and Jews around World War II. And over here in the U.S., we get upset if we've got statues of uh, Confederates, uh, let alone giving someone uh, the highest award that our country has. Uh, So that's a well-documented phenomenon. You look at the military in the Ukraine, the military has been weak, so they've had to rely on the support of uh, these white supremacist organizations, uh, different uh, Nazi battalions who uh, have uh, Nazi symbols that they actively wave around that are actually recruiting from the rest of the world. So they're bringing in people from Europe to fight in their cause. They're inspiring similar movements in the U.S. They've been doing so for years. And the crazy thing is that we've actually funded all of this. So while uh, we, and when I say we, I mean the U.S., uh, while the U.S., at home, we're talking about how we need to be progressive and we need this uh, social justice agenda. This is coming out of the Biden administration. Biden and the rest of the crew from the Obama years uh, have been uh, funding uh, the uh, Nazi battalions in Ukraine. We've been giving them training. We've been giving them billions of dollars to fight this war against Putin, to fight the separatists in eastern Ukraine. So you look at all this, one is just completely crazy. I mean, how crazy is it that we are funding a global white supremacy movement with U.S. dollars. And at the same time, we're trying to battle racism in the U.S. That, that to me is just, is just insanity. And even if you put that aside, you look at the evidence, Putin has a point. Now, again, I'm not going to say that he's right or he's wrong. I will just observe that the story we're getting is so incredibly one-sided. Uh, we're not hearing anything any of the counter evidence, even though that evidence has been in the media for a long time. And we're also painting Putin as this aggressor and going in and stomping on nations when we've done the same thing for years. Uh, the U.S. has done the same thing in Iraq and Afghanistan. Afghanistan right now is a total disaster. We've got five million people who are going to starve to death because of a failed 20-year policy uh, that the Western world had in that country because of a failed pullout. But no one's talking about that. No one seems to care. Uh, No one really cared about Syrians in 2015 uh, when they they were trying to take refuge in Europe. They they, they were pushed away. So it's just bizarre. It's like we've got one set of standards for ourselves and a different set of standards for the rest of the world. It's not even it's actually worse than putting than not being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. If you could put yourself in someone else's shoes, you could argue, okay, maybe that's difficult to do because their culture is different, their background is different. If you don't have that exposure, it might be hard to conceive how someone else would behave. But we're not even talking about that. We are actually talking about identical situations where one side has done one thing, the other side has done the same thing. But because we're on one side, our side is good and the other side is bad. And Again, Z, when I look at that, I just can't wrap my arms around it. It just seems so crazy to me. And it's been going on for such a long time. It goes on in foreign policy. I mean, this strategy has been going on probably for hundreds of years. Uh, Certainly, if you look at uh, Nicaragua, you look at Honduras, uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, we had horrible foreign policy in those countries in, in the 70s and 80s. 
as we talked about, we've had similar problems in the Middle East. The U.S. record, not just the U.S., but the entire Western record, because NATO has fought a bunch of these wars, uh, it's, it's a horrible record with respect to human rights. And it's very odd to, to take a moral high ground when arguably you've done things that are worse, or even if it's not worse, at least on par, with the people that you're condemning. If you're really in the same category, shouldn't you be able to see the commonality? Shouldn't you be able to at least appreciate that maybe they've got a point, or if they are horrible, you're also horrible. So one is not more horrible than another. That to me seems like a just common sense, like a basic prerequisite for being able to get along in the world with other people, with other cultures. And if we can't do that, then we become a bully. I mean, either we've got enough military might, we've got enough strength to battle other people and force the world to submit to our wishes. And maybe that's an effective strategy for a while, but of course there's a backlash because it pisses people off and people get upset about the hypocrisy. The entire Middle East right now is basically saying, screw the Ukraine. They're beating anyone who's brown, who's trying to leave the country. The rest of Europe is not taking refugees from our part of the world, but they're welcoming Ukrainian refugees with open arms. So why should we be part of the system? So we create our own enemies. And maybe that's worth it for the people who are in charge, who are benefiting from that, who are uh, uh, taking money and taking defense contracts and benefiting from uh, the high price of oil. So if you're completely corrupt and you stand for nothing, perhaps that makes sense. But for the average person, we should be able to see through that, and we should realize the cost of this point of view, this totally one-sided point of view. It just leads to escalation, and we really threaten to destroy the quality of our own life. I mean, maybe our planet itself. So you've got the, the threat of nuclear war, but even if you put that aside, you look at what this is costing us. It's costing us money in terms of military supplies. It's costing the average person a lot because gas prices have gone up from 3 or $4 to $7. Food prices are going up. Uh, this is going to make starvation worse around the world. So even if we don't care about the rest of the world and we just care about ourselves, you would think that we would have an interest in understanding other points of view so that we're able to get along with people because we're part of a global system where we're all dependent on each other to some extent. So the question that I have today, Z, which maybe you can help us out with, is how do we get to this point? I mean, how do we get to this point where we're just so blind and we have no empathy, we have no appreciation for any other group but the one that we align with? We've seen this tribalism domestically uh, in politics. We've seen it play out in different parts of the world. But what is causing this? And how, for those of us who want to opt out, how do we take ourselves out of this so that we can start to see things objectively, not just see things from whatever side that we happen to be standing on. Well, Vin, it's a, it, it, it's a question that has uh, many layers of answers and queries to. As you were talking, I was, I was kind of meditating and, and lifting myself up just to look down, uh, using techniques of meditation that harness the superconscious or the universal conscious, looking down at all of this and going back to things that, that, that I've studied and observed in, in my travels. And these are all things of prophecy where we're at right now. 
ignorance has clouded the world. And each of us has played a role in dimming the own, our own light of intelligence. <clears throat> each of us. And that's the sad part. But also the beautiful part is then each individual can do something a little different. Check your own narratives. And for those people who wish to live an opt-out philosophy, we have the tools to do that. <clears throat> and here's what I'll say. Yeah, we can't stop nuclear proliferation and if these people decide to blow up the world. All we can say was a great ride. But up to that point, just observing what we're doing. Don't invest in these malthoughts, these false narratives about life and our fellow human being. Use these witness accounts as an example of your own life. I saw the article where they had taken a picture of a little blonde girl uh, pointing her finger at a soldier, and shaming a soldier. And it got millions of likes. And then the person says, it says, the heading says, Ukraine girl uh, challenges Russian soldier. And everybody was, yay! And then they said, uh, correction, it's actually a little Palestinian girl telling an Israeli soldier to get out of her neighborhood. Everybody went, boo! Same act, same child, same situation. How sick are we? And if opt-out, people who want to think for themselves, if you can't see the problem in that, you got to open your eyes because you're part of the problem. If you don't see this, this kind of, the, the kind of the, the false left-right uh, narrative, whenever I hear, read articles and says the right did this, the right did this, or the left did this, I know that these people are part of the problem, whoever, whatever the topic is. Um, I've heard from people that believe there is no middle ground anymore. In Taoism and Buddhism, we talk about the middle path, the high road between yin and yang, managing. But people are now saying there's no either this or you're either that. And this is where that kind of feudal consciousness rises that is actually leads to destruction first of the being and then to the death of our reality, which could mean, as we sit on the brink of a nuclear disaster, a big war, we did that. For those of us thinking ourselves, we have to just back off of it and just really see it for what it is. You can't listen to this and try to make sense of it. It's like being in an insane asylum and having arguments with the inmates at the insane asylum. Now you're crazy as they are. This stuff is madness. And as we work on ourselves, we want to reject it in every way. I talked to one of my good students, Anthony, the other day, and he was moving from a beautiful ranch he bought. And he told me a wonderful story of why he was moving. Because when he first said it, I didn't feel good about it. I just like, man, I, I, I dream about the wilderness and being on a ranch. He, he, he had a really good reason. And he also understood the history and the karma of that ranch and what it represented. And he was ready to move on. He was very fluid, very Tai Chi. I did this, now I'm going to do that. That's following the middle path. Something isn't working, you have a discovery, you move on, you readjust. You don't attach yourself to, to a stagnant or failed model. The justice system in this country doesn't work. Do everything you can to avoid dealing with it. 
It is a failed system that is not sustainable. The political system of this country has failed. Opt out of it. It doesn't work anymore. So you have to find a way in the wilderness, as they say in all scriptures, in the wilderness, right? I think the Bible talks about that. The Quran talks about that. The Vedas talk about that. The, the Tibetan books of, of, of the dead talk about it. All scriptures and philosophical uh, literature talk about times in the wilderness. They didn't mean you were out in the woods fighting lions. They meant you were, you were far from dense populations, far from common thinking. Do you. We have to get into that. You've got to do you, because if you don't, you'll be dragged into this nonsense. Stuff we know is crazy. This whole thing is crazy. There's nobody coming on common media saying, hey, is there a way to find peace? And because there's no right or wrong or left or right, they say, no, there's, we can only go do more war. We can only do more destruction. But is there no path to peace? Nobody is saying that. Have you noticed that? Nobody is saying, what is the path to peace? Nobody's saying that. You follow what I'm saying? Right. No one. And for the average one of us, I just want to make sure I can fill my tank up with gas. Because these crazy people are trying to destroy the environment and they're first taking society with it. People hate each other now for no reason at all. No reason at all. And it's being pushed through all the media platforms that are available. One singular fail false narrative. So those of us who are trying to think for ourselves, allow yourself to step away. Hover over everything. Be like the astronauts do, those people that go up in the space and they look down at the Earth and they realize how small and fragile it is, this thin layer of air that keeps us going. And there are people that are okay destroying that. There are people okay just destroying the atmosphere. What, you, you, you have to wonder what type of person would be okay destroying the atmosphere, right? I, I mentioned earlier before we got on, I went to Europe a few years ago and there were parts of the ocean that had been so overfished that there was no living thing in the ocean. Beautiful Mediterranean Sea along, along, around Italy. There are no fish in the ocean in that area. Hundreds of miles with nothing living because somebody had factory fishing or something like that. It's like that movie, uh, what was that movie, Happy Feet or something. And they're just overfishing the ocean. That's actually true. All these movies seem to be true. There's a documentary on that. Happy, Happy Feet was true. I was in the water. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm floating around the ocean and, and there's nothing in there. Not a guppy, not a worm. Like the Dead Sea. Yeah, who thought that was okay? What person said, I'm going to empty all life from the ocean and I'm going to make a fortune doing it and that's okay. Who cheered them on? You see what I'm saying? We live in this kind of world, but we want to remake our world. And even if we're in the wilderness and it's just a small number of people, you can live with yourself in, in a way that that is much richer. We're here for a short, short time. 
and as my days, <clears throat> I'm closer to 100 than I am to 1. So in the days that I have and the time that I have on the planet, I would love to just have as many good days and bright days and be surrounded by wonderful people than, that, that I can possibly do. I was speaking to my nephew this morning when I was leaving home, and I said to him, because <clears throat> um, he conjures up a lot of sentiment in me. My nephew is no different than my own son. And <clears throat> I realized that he was 39 years old. I started thinking about that, and I said, it just seemed like it was a month ago your dad told me he was expecting a baby. My brother was happy that he had a baby coming. And we found out it was a little boy after the ultrasound. It seemed like yesterday. For me, it was a month ago. For him, it was 39 years. This life is a phantom. And for the negative stuff that's going on, we want to not, not invest in it, not fuel the fire, not buy into it, not go along with it. Do you. Be you. Think for you. Think for you. What you're reading, what you're hearing, it is not true. It is not true. Tell yourself they are selling you a narrative. And look at the people selling it to you. Would you want them to be near you? These news commentators, these people that, that only... Sow divisiveness, hatred, and rage. That's all it is all day long. Whenever you polarize humanity, a, a fragile species occupying a fragile planet in an insignificant parsec of space, and we're hating each other, we think we're different. How weird is that? Please, reject it. Reject it. <clears throat> build your life. <clears throat> build this short life and live a meaningful life. We talked a, lot, a few weeks ago about the Buddha said that the purpose of life is joy. You achieve joy by fulfilling your duty, and your duty is the thing that gives your heart a reason to beat. Do what you love. Be around people that like you. And then really work on detoxifying the consciousness and the subconsciousness so we can engage in the higher universal consciousness. Look at this stuff with a jaundiced eye. Look at this stuff and go, you know what, they're selling me some garbage. Ukraine, Ukraine, Kofifi, Kofifi, uh, the plague, the plague, them and those, they're going to get us and the left and the right. It's not real. It's not real. It just takes a breath away from the few breaths we have in this world. Um, Peace, you were just on the ECP device. It, was, it pumps and augments the heart, puts you in an anabolic cycle. And <clears throat> I was playing to Daniela and, 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 and Laura that the heart has so many beats in a lifetime. Cardiologists and people like that have calculated, I think it's a few billion heartbeats in a lifetime. So we want to have moderate heartbeat. We don't, have a, we don't want to have a lot of heart rate irregularity, meaning your heart spiking and rushing and then crashing and falling because that damages the heart. The heart likes to be smooth and rhythmic with progressive highs and progressive lows and a lot of moderate beating, right? 
So everything, think about the rhythm of the heart and how do we cultivate and nurture the rhythm of the heart so that we have not just a long life, but a vibrant life, a present life. For all the things that we chase and pursue in this world, I have been a witness to many deaths. And at that moment of expiration, what is the thing that was the most important? What do you, what do you think? Um, Peace, what do you think? What was the most important? What do you think is the most important? If we all meditated on that last moment. Peace. Yeah. So, <clears throat> this morning I, I do calls every morning. And I wrote down um, in my notes was serve this larger purpose today was to show up. That's what I wrote 615 this month. Mm, that was Mr. White's lesson. Right. Express the express this action today is to have clarity in the organization of others that that can see. You know. So um what I'm noticing is to be more uh to notice things more. To be present. Yes. To be here right and now. now, right now. Yes. And so at the end of our days, were you here? Or were you somewhere else? Were you in the past? What about, what about you, Lord? What do you think that would be? Well, I think well, just to, to kind of like what you were saying, when you're present, you're more aware. And I think you have more time in a way. That's right, because time is a relative measure of mass, space, and distance. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, love too, you know, yeah. peace and, and love as well. Yeah. yeah. And everybody, all, all the folks checking out, probably, Laura has an amazing documentary. That's how I met her. Uh, she became my hero right away. I checked out her, her documentary, um, Do Not Resist. So anybody who uh, wants to have more knowledge and more insight, get the documentary, Do Not Resist, award-winning documentary. This is a really impressive young lady. She's badass. So she's part of the crew. I'm, I'm glad to have my team. I got my hit squad. See, I got, I got a platoon of badass people. So Laura's part of the platoon, <clears throat> the Z squad, I see or the peace squad, whoever you want to. And then, uh, Danielle, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Laura and Say Time, that's what I would think. I always think about this poem um, that usually is on an obituary. It says, how did you spend your dash? Mm -hmm. The dash in between the time you were born and the time that you die. And they always, whether it's a, a family member speaking or a minister or pastor, they always put emphasis on that. Um, how, you don't care about your car, your clothes, who says something bad about you. You care about the time you wasted. Mm. Wow. What about you, Caitlin? I'm sorry, these are my last words. Yeah, I'm last, meditating uh, on my last yeah, thoughts. The last days. Okay. Um. <laughs> because it's going to be all relevant to this topic of the nonsense and the madness that we're wasting our time in. We're investing our energy. I feel like I'd reflect on my experiences because ultimately I feel like I'm here for soul growth. So I just, at the end of my days, I just want to be like, did I, did I inch a little bit closer to that space where I grew as a soul individual and I don't know what's beyond here by coming back, you know, whatever. But did I at least learn something valuable that I 
can take to the next life. And, and that's really why I think I like to choose to have experiences over objects generally. Like I've always preferred to travel versus get nice like clothes that, you know, it's like a thousand dollars for a purse. Well, I'd rather pay a thousand dollars to go on a plane to somewhere I've never been. So that's, I'm, I'm just going to be wondering about, did I have enough time? Again, the time thing comes up, but did I experience enough? And yeah, that's good, Kate. And, and I would say to everybody who's trying to opt out and where we're going with this, when I talk about the madness that's out there, that is distracting, it's illusionary, it's sick, it's diseased. When that we reach that point, ask your, which may be tonight or tomorrow, ask yourself right now, if this was it, are you okay? Are you focusing on things that count and matter? I was, someone wrote me the other day who was really upset about the Ukraine thing, right? I guess his wife, maybe it went there, it was from there. And I couldn't really give him what he wanted. I couldn't go along with his being upset because he's a wealthy guy with a beautiful, wonderful family. And I said, can you sit there with your beautiful children and just think of yourself as the most undeserving and fortunate person in the world that you have these beautiful little kids that love you and adore you and you're their world. What if that's all you got? But you're allowing this noise to come in and distract you and take you away from that where you're walking around stressed out, angry, bitter over something that's not really relevant and it has a diseased causality. The chickens have come home to roost. The, the alchemy of evil is, is coming to a head and percolating over. Why do you want to be a part of that when you have everything? Well, if you feel that pain in your body, as if you could barely take your last breath and you're fighting for air and you surrender. And when you surrender that last breath, what are your thoughts? What do you want them to be? Make that happen now. Reject all of this. And I say this from, from experiences I've had. As, 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 as Mr. Baker always says, I don't own the truth. I'm just going to share with you. Because I have been a party and a witness to such grave and extreme and instant tragedy, I walk in gratitude every day. I'm open-hearted every day. I never close me off. My heart has been broken, ripped out, twisted, smashed, exploded. In some kind of way, it recovered, and I'm still here. But I don't ever forget the pain. I will never forget the pain. So that makes me reach for every island of joy and pleasure. And that's why I open, I say crazy things, I have an open heart, my wherever I am, people will receive whatever I have and love. And you know, peace came in today and there's food on the counter. Uh my dear nephew is here who is so special to me. So this world has very little this, this madness in the world has very little sway on me, and I, don't, I want you to be like that. Take my experiences, my story, so you don't have to go through what I went through to have that devotion. So that beautiful young man that you guys are looking at, I'm hoping some young lady, either here or out there, come and give this man some pleasure. But anyway, I'm always rooting for him. 
When he was born, he was a little bitty sickly baby. I've told the story, but he's here now. And I'm going to just share the love of an uncle, the love of a kind of father, and how it makes me keep going. And I remember staying up night after night, wondering if this baby would make it through the night. Him. You see him? You guys see how beautiful he is? Strong. What'd you say, Daniel? And strong. And I handsome. See a weak um, baby over there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. I see a grown man over there. But yeah. Good looking, isn't he? Good looking. Smart. Brilliant. What about it, Laura? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see? You see? You guys see where I'm going with this. But he was sickly, and I remember as he got over the sickness, my brother nursing him and nursing him. People telling him he's going to have this, he's got that, he's got that. And my brother said, we'll take care of him. And it pushed me to study more about herbs, more about diet, more about nutrition. And I have so many beautiful memories, and, and there's, there are unique ones that kind of milestone memories that go into to, to what we're saying is why this is the best thing we have at these moments. And, and, he, and he might get embarrassed, because I always embarrassed. I don't give a shit. He was deathly ill one time, and he was at the hospital, just deathly ill. They had a, a trach tube in him. You know, they had intubated him, respirator. We had to stay up all night. And the hospitals, as you know, offer a certain amount of care, but you have to be your own advocate. So I never left. So his father called me from work. I was an engineer with a major corporation. He says, you got to come and stay with the baby. and Because you know, he, 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 my brother always honored my understanding of medicine. And I would do whatever my brother asked me to do. <laughs> so that's our culture. So we took shifts, just sitting and making sure he kept breathing. We didn't rely upon the hospital and the alarm. And he says, okay, I'm going to leave for a while. He left with his mom. He said, I'm going to come back. He has heard the story many times. And I'm sitting there. I'm a young man. I'm sitting there. I doze off in the hospital because we're there all night. You ever done an all-night shift at a hospital? Anybody's ever done that knows. And I'm in the NICU, right, in the pediatric ICU. And I start to doze off. I wake up and he's, the machine's going, you know, slushing. And this little bitty, itchy skin boy, I mean, he had horrible skin, like a crocodile or something. But he was always, had a beautiful smile. He, he had more smile than he had face. And I dozed off and I heard the machine going, it had flatlined. And I woke up, ha, ha, and I looked over and he said, uncle. Can we play? And he just sitting there with the big eyes, and it pulled the trach tube out. And I was just said, hi, Uncle. Let's play. And I was like, I mean, I almost died, because you heard the alarm going on. I said, OK, it's cool. And I called my brother and said, well, he's good. He's good. He's ready to go home. And I have so many stories. The way he used to look at me when he was tiny, to look up to me. I, would do cra I was a crazy uncle. I put him on motorcycles. Didn't I, Kiyazi? <laughs> huh? My first and only time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things that make life storied. And he's 
been through so much. And his mother passed away on the dance floor. And he handled it like I could see him age in front of me. And my brother was so worried, so worried. Is he going to be okay? Because no child, he wouldn't want a child to go through that. Are you 16, Kiazi? 16-year-old. Watch his mom die. So we start watching him because we were worried because we had been through that. His dad and me, we had been through horrific childhood tra trauma. And he's pulling it together. He was rough. He was a tough guy. He became a tough guy. Then he started to grow. I couldn't just sling him around like I used to. You know? So I had to work out more so I could keep keep him off my ass. I mean, the kids try to pay you back for scaring them when they little, you know. He just kept growing and he shot past all of us. Got healthy and strong. We were doing a workshop here one weekend. All the kids came, the sisters, everybody was here. Beautiful. We were all sleeping in my house. One of the best days of my life. One of the most beautiful days of my life. My, I had my big brother here with me. I had a beautiful business and we were talking about our retirement plan. And he said, as soon as Kiazi finishes college, I'm going to stop working. I'm going to come down here and work with you. I said, this is great. Sitting on top of the hills in Topanga, looking down. He said, look at us. Look at us. Well, look at what we've been through and look where we've been. Goes home. I said, I'll see you next week. I was taking a shower or something. Phone rang. Giazzi said, come home, Uncle. My dad is dead. Okay. Changed my life forever. But I remember the promise, but make sure yeah, he does his education. He went on and graduated from Stanford, American U, and that's that man you see right there. He does all of that. Respect, brother. He does I, I'm just letting people know that life, life is short. And it's beautiful. Don't allow the disease of this era to come into your heart. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Reject the nonsense. What do you think, Vin? Well, I agree with everything you're saying. I think there are a few points you've made which are very useful, important. Just the stories you share, I mean, it really brings to life what what is important, what inspires us, what the reasons are that we live, that we went around the room, talked about what people would reflect on upon their death. And none of it had to do with beating other people down or proving that you were stronger or brandishing your ego like a weapon. It's all about, do I have a certain measure of peace? Do I feel good about what I've created in this life? Have I experienced everything that I wanted to experience? Did I forge connections with the people that I care about? That's at the end of the life. And then during life, as you're saying, we can go through this life with a sense of gratitude, with an appreciation. We can remember the people who've touched us, uh, the, the moments that really give us life, that energize us. And again, in the day-to-day, -day, it has nothing to do with arguing or being divisive. Those are things that, that drain us, that bring us down. It's kind of like a, 
I don't know if it's a leech or it's just like a steady drip. You, you know, we're kind of steadily leaking energy throughout the day, dealing with this nonsense, dealing with these assaults on our senses from the constant barrage of information and the stimulus that uh, that just goes with with living in in the modern world and living in a big city. So you've got that. Then you've got the mental anguish because you hear a certain point of view or someone treats you aggressively or they'll say something that's provocative that's meant to provoke some emotional response. And then you feel yourself getting fired up. And then it's almost like a ripple in a pond. You know, you drop a rock and the rock sinks immediately, but that leads to some ripples and that disturbance propagates. And that might lead to the next disturbance. So just a simple comment that you hear if you're tuning into the news that could stick with you for, for minutes. It could stick with you for hours. And if you're listening to this stuff all the time, then, as you say, Z, you're not really living. Or you're living in a way where you're always reacting and you're always imagining and you're always having arguments in your head about, oh, my God, why did they say this thing? Or how can someone believe this? Or what's going to happen? Or how can we deal with all this tragedy? Whatever it is, there's that constant churn in the mind, which takes us away from that that place of peace that we want to be, and that presence. And that presence, as we've talked about, is so important to experiencing life and opening ourselves to connect with other people. Because when we're not present, we're anxious, we're hunkered down, we're worried about survival, we're basically shutting out the rest of the world. And that's the opposite of the state that we want to be in. So having that awareness that you're talking about, I mean, maybe just if everyone goes back, even rewinds this podcast and and listens to the, the story you just told again and internalizes it. I think that is powerful. I mean, that's a powerful reminder. Maybe go through some of the most poignant moments in our own lives and really remember what we care about. Do that meditation on death. What do we want our legacy to be? What do we want the sum total of our life to add up to? I believe these are all good habits to get us in the right frame of mind and to give us both the awareness and the fortitude to tune out all of this nonsense and all of this noise. Uh, so for the opt-outs, Z, I believe that message is spot on. What I'm curious about is what do we do more generally in that we, we can manage ourselves, but we still live within this broader world. And this is a theme that we've talked about in the past. You know, how do we strike that balance between managing ourselves and opting out, but also living in a world that's rapidly devolving? I mean, I think about this book, which maybe you've read. It was written by Ayn Rand, uh, who uh, wrote, I think it was in the 50s, uh, she wrote this book, and it was called uh, Atlas Shrugged. And the idea behind this book was that you had a certain segment of the world which is very talented. So you had, I, I mean, th this was part of her philosophy as well, that you got a few people in this world who really move it forward, who have that talent who have that inspiration, uh, who don't really care so much about personal gain, but they care about knowledge, they, they care about furthering society. And then you've got the rest of the world in her mind, which was basically just a set of leeches who were concerned about validation and they were concerned about approval and they were concerned about image. And they were also concerned about appropriating the rewards that the creators created. So how can I take without providing anything of value in exchange. And in this book, what you see is that the people who are talented steadily disappear from society. And as they're disappearing, <laughs> the entire society starts to break down. 
because there's nothing to sustain it. That's the idea of Atlas Shrugged, that you've got this small group which is holding up the world, or maybe it's a small ideology that's holding up the world, and when that fades, everything just descends into darkness and chaos, which doesn't seem that far off from where we are today. So what do we do about that? I mean, you know, we can manage ourselves, but we still have to interact with other people. We're still dealing with people where, honestly, at times, I don't even know if the situation is redeemable. I listen to some of the discourse. I see people's reactions. No one's willing to listen. As you've said, Z, people are angry. They don't even know what they're angry about. Whatever problem originally triggered that anger is so long forgotten it doesn't even matter, but that anger is still there, and that anger propels the divisiveness and the polarization, and that leads to more anger. And it just seems like a cycle which has reached a tipping point. You know, maybe it's escape velocity. We're going fast enough where there's no return to sanity. You know, we're breaking through gravity, we're breaking through the atmosphere. We're just going to keep on going into outer space, or it's like tipping over the event horizon of a black hole where you go a certain distance and and you're screwed. I mean, you're going in that black hole. There's no escape. So if that one, I don't know if that's a situation or not. Maybe that's too dire. Curious about your thoughts on that point. But if that is our reality or if that is, it has some resemblance to the reality that we face and there's part of society which we can't redeem, we don't know if we'll be able to redeem it's not worth having discussions, debates. What does that imply for us? I, I mean, I understand that we can step out, we can form our own communities. But again, what do we do with the rest of the time? What do we do? How do we manage interactions with the rest of society? Like, break it down really practically. What does someone's day look like trying to navigate this world and this news flow and this uh, these extreme emotions? Well, Vin, I'm going to use... Um two metaphors. One is in uh, in the fighting game, they tell you to protect yourself when? Protect, when, when do they tell you to protect yourself, Kiyad? Protect yourself at all times. So when you're moving through this world, that means that you never surrender ownership of yourself. Whatever you do, don't surrender ownership of yourself. But learn how to navigate the uppercuts, the jabs and crosses of society. So uh, uh, I'll just reveal a little secret how I made it through Kofifi, right? Talked about this years ago. Whatever, so I heard a lot of people, their families broke up, there was fighting, uh, all sorts of things. People were no longer visiting relatives and they were arguing, it became very politicized. If you were on the left, you wore a mask. If you are right, you didn't. This is the way I did it. So we made it all the way and we kept it quiet so I can reveal the secret. Never got vaccinated, but if you want, you ask me, I tell you I did. If, it, if you wanted me to be vaccinated, I was vaccinated. If you weren't into vaccinations, I said, I ain't into vaccinations. I'm with you. And I just keep moving about my way. Because you know what? The people that love me, love me, and they're good. We, we, we're good. But to navigate the zombie apocalypse from the left and the right and the east and the west or whatever, whatever you want to hear. I'm just like in a zombie movie. When I walked amongst the zombies, I pretend to be a zombie. Mm, oh, brains, brain. And then when I was with regular people, I said, oh, that was rough. I just got away from the zombie. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's how I did it. Protect yourself at all times. 
what is the benefit of getting in conflict with people? Why? Why not just be around people that love and like you and you don't have to fight for their affection? And if that's a litmus test of whether you can be around them, then think about the people you're around. As my dear friend Keith David says, if you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. <laughs> that's what he said. So that's what you do. The next piece, Vin, is simple thing is, again, I'll go to the fight thing because I like fighting. I like combat sports. You got a rope-a-dope, if Public Enemy says, you got a rope-a-dope evil with righteous bobbing and weaving so the good gets even. Mm. Okay? So what does it mean? The rope-a-dope. When Muhammad Ali had to fight George Foreman, the hardest punching person on earth, he could literally knock trees down, this George Foreman. Ali was a good fighter, but he couldn't bang up with George Foreman. So for one year, he spent in the Catskills Mountain letting Larry Holmes, another great fighter, punch him and beat him without defending himself. And he learned to roll off the punches. He broke ribs. He pissed blood. He did everything else. And he would get back up. And every day, he learned how to deflect and allow the punches to exhaust themselves. He knew that George Foreman could last four rounds. He knew that. He was good for four rounds. It's like all the ladies know men like that. Four pump chump, right? That's what the girls call them. They knew he could last a certain amount of time. So they just had to weather the storm. So Ali learned to do the rope a dope, okay? So when George Foreman was pounding on it, he would roll and roll, and he, he came to our home, came right across the river from us, right, Kiazi? Yes, sir. Went to Congo, Ali Bumaye, that means kill him. There's another word that we have too, but we're not going to use it. So it meant kill him. That's literally right, Yazi? Mm -hmm. Kill him. Ali Bumaye. Ali, kill this mother. We got other words. Okay? So George Foreman goes in there just pounding on him. Just like they're pounding on Putin. Just pounding on people. Just like they pounded you with Kofifi. They pounded me with Kofifi, right? Right, peace, just woo, woo, COVID, 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 COVID. Omicron, Neutron, Delta variant, ah, COVID, 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 Pfizer vaccine, this, 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 booster, 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 kick your kids out of school, arrest you, take your kids, and they just rolled with it. He just, I just rolled with it, right? And then after a while, they just got tired of throwing punches. Then he knocked his ass out. He knocked George Foreman out so bad, George Foreman thought he had a voodoo curse put on. He said there was a voodoo lady in the ring. He, to this day, he said it was a voodoo lady in the ring that sucked all his energy out. No, it was his foolishness. He represented the madness of this world, just bombarding you with madness. When you watch these news shows and watch how quickly they turn, they were all for Putin and they was against him. If Putin is... If the left is against Putin, they, the right was formed. If the right is for Putin, the left's against. You see how ridiculous it is? You got to ask yourself, how do I rope a dope this nonsense? And people, you might know people and friends, they want to get you in these conversations. What I do is I kind of figure out what their position is on something, and I, I just agree. I don't really agree. I have my own position. But you know what? I just want to get from point A to point B, and that's not a defining thing in my life to get you to like me. But I would like to not be harassed. You right? can't argue with somebody that agrees with you. Yeah. Yeah, really. Just oh, like a guy called me. He was crying about Ukraine. Oh, my God, I should go over there. 
And I said, maybe you should just look at your family and be really grateful since you know you're a multimillionaire and you have beautiful kids. You want to go lose your life and you, but somebody has to do something. I said, what do you do? I don't do that. So it was a I'm a refugee. By the way, I'm a refugee. If anybody wants to help refugees, I'm a refugee, and my nephew Kiazi were refugees from the Congo. So if you guys really want to do something to help the refugee crisis, we could use a few dollars. Is that right, Kiazi? So we're starting a GoFundMe for Kiazi, okay? So for all of our audience, if you really feel in your heart of hearts that you need to assist refugees and you can't really go and get dirty, we're going to set up a Venmo, a PayPal, a Zeal, or a direct deposit or something, uh, and you can help out refugees from the Congo right here. Let's start with these two. Start with those two, and you'll feel good. We might even, Caitlin will send you uh, a letter of, of verification you. that you are a humanitarian. <laughs> yeah. Okay? You've made a difference in the world more than you've done. That's right, and you will get a discount at Grill Fresh Restaurant, 10% <laughs> discount. That 10% that you have to spend, you send that 10% to the Kiazi and Nzazi Malonga Refugee Fund right here. Okay? Yeah, 20%. Okay, 20%. You guys hear that. Grill Fresh is the name of the restaurant, folks. And uh, let them know you're there for the refugees. Okay? The Fugees. Huh? That's us, right, Kiazi? Okay. We even got with a refugee from Ohio or something. <laughs> Detroit. Detroit. Oh, Michigan. Okay. It's, uh, Steel Town. Steel Town. But that's it, Vin. What do you think? I think Vin's a refugee, too. Aren't you a refugee, Vin? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm running from something. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that. add add Vinit to that, too. Add, add Vin to that. <laughs> Yeah. That was deep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say, Z, it's it's solid advice. It's a lot of the stuff that we talk about. Um, I love that Keith David line. If you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. Sometimes the path is lonely. I mean, I think that's a reality. You know, so much of conversation is just drama and nonsense. And it's stuff that sucks our time and energy. Um, but finding... I tend to use the same strategy. You find a handful of people that, that you get along with that provide something in return where it doesn't exhaust you <laughs> just being in their presence. So uh, get that list together. Uh, the other aspect, the rope-a-dope. Yeah, you know, I've used that as well. Um, I've told the story before about dealing with different people at work who come in and complain. And it's weird because it, it, there's always that tendency to want to engage and to want to prove your point. Don't, don't engage but, it. This rope-a-dope. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It, it comes down to ego, and it's kind of like, what, what is... I look at it as just being ruthlessly efficient, uh, which is or uh, almost ruthlessly self-interested, uh, which is what's going to be the best thing for me in this situation. Is it going to be best, as you're saying, Z, to go down some pointless discussion and get all heated and ruin my day and then come home and... I feel like I've got to yell at my wife and beat my kids just to feel okay. <laughs> or do I want to just avoid it and I'll tell people what they want to hear or I'll set a boundary. So that's the other thing. Maybe that's another rope-a-dope technique where we just set limits. In fact, I had that conversation with my oldest daughter who's still pretty young, but she's getting into something with one of her friends and there's all this drama 
And my advice to her was that you can go to a certain place with different people, but you have to know where that place is. You have to know where the boundaries are. And if they're dragging you into pettiness, then uh, just choose not to go there. Uh, step away or figure out some strategy for getting out of that situation. That's right. So, yeah, yeah, I think it applies universally. I mean, it applies to kids. It applies to our geopolitical leaders who, who at times are worse than kids, <laughs> uh, which is also interesting. I mean, that's another thing that I observed working in corporate America. Uh, you have these, these middle-aged men who behave like five-year-olds and they're yelling and screaming. But so be it. You know, one of the most profound things that we talked about, Z, uh, maybe it was on the last podcast, is that maybe there is no problem. I think having that mentality, I'll add that to the list. Because the two things you said, you said control the people you're around and rope-a-dope. And the third thing is maybe everything is fine. Maybe the world is dysfunctional. Maybe it's meant to be that way. Maybe there are reasons that we can't even comprehend. So, so fuck it. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. That's what I'm saying. Rope-a-dope it and protect yourself at all times. We're going through the zombie mm. apocalypse. Save your brain. And then before we go, Vin, I want to start doing something here. We have some beautiful people that's giving us feedback on the podcast as we're growing this platform. I tend to be uh, the anti-media person here, and Caitlin's trying to get me to do more and more naked Instagrams and things like that. And I'm, I'm getting in shape fasting and things like that so I can present myself as when I did in my stripper days and uh, to appeal to everyone and then to get more traffic on Dharma Media and, and, and move our product. But I want to just acknowledge the people that are here that are helping us and all of you out there. Uh, had a beautiful time with you, Rosa, if you're listening to the podcast. Planet Janet, hang in there. Love you, girl. Keep giving the feedback. Anthony, I like what you're doing. Get off the farm. Do your thing. Uh, Anthony's one of my uh, great students who's a, a wonderful Tai Chi teacher that's spreading love all over and everywhere he goes. And he gave me some feedback. I miss you being here, but you're always here with us. And then um, in the house, we got this beautiful Danielle. She's just complete eye candy. I don't know what you do for a living, but if you're selling something, I'll buy it. What, what do you do? I'm a dietary consultant. I teach people how to heal themselves with herbs. Okay, yes, okay. So that's what she does. And um, uh, she's an herbologist <clears throat> doing that thing. But just you look at her, you feel better. A, <laughs> then I got beautiful Laura here. She's a beautiful little baby girl. Uh, tell me about uh, Steel Town Girl, tell me about you. You got anything you sell in Hawk and I want you to do, go get her documentary, Do Not Resist. Then you understand what it's like black people go through every day, even though she's a, a cute little, uh, I don't know what she is, Irish or something like that. But um, she really nailed it with this documentary. Is that right, Laura? What you working on now? Um, I'm actually like working on uh, like reading auras and kind of like, Tuned into my own energy, reading energy, healing, a lot of the healing art stuff. Okay, she's been doing drugs. Okay, now, so <laughs> we got Peace here. He owns a wonderful restaurant called Grill Fresh. He brought the food tonight. He's been training with me, studying with me. He's going through some things in his family, things in business, trying to get, get rid of this hypertension in him. Beautiful young man. Uh, you don't get to see him. We don't have video or anything. Caitlin does. She keeps video record of it. But picture a holistic little Wayne. That's what. And then, um, and if, if, if little Wayne was a decent human being and he was smart and brilliant and doing things for the community and loving people, uh, that's the deal. Peace. Can you can you tell us something about what you're doing? Anything? You, uh, come on, pitch yourself. Grow fresh is a healthy food concept, but it's about the energy more than anything. 
uh, it's a place for you to relax and just to meet cool people. And, and the focus with food has, has allowed me to understand the psilocybin world. So I am in the mushroom world. You're not on them now, are you? No. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's what we're working on. We're working just just healing one another, just really Beautiful. being still and being patient and, and being able to think okay. and be open. Okay. Yes. There you go. And you guys all know Caitlin. Takes no introduction. Uh, Caitlin keeps everybody in check. And then I got my beautiful nephew right here. He just disappeared out of the room. Kiazi, tell him about your music project. He's got Malanga music. Tell him about your music. Uh, I am a trained percussionist in Central African drumming. Last year, I released my first album. Where can they get it at? Um, you can get that. You can follow me at Malonga Music on Instagram, Facebook, and or look me up on YouTube. M-A-L-O-N-G-A Music, one word. You'll have uh, beautiful music uh, to be able to enjoy and, and just pass through that. And if you like me, you'll buy our albums. Okay, so, and you'll be my friend forever and ever. Love you all. Thank you very much. We're going to close it out, okay, Vin? All right. Yeah, I think we're good. And uh, what should they be listening to? The Lion? Tell them about the Lion. Yeah, Lion with a Mic. All one word. Lion with a Mic. Check out Lion with a Mic. Get your news only from Lion at a Mic. Don't listen to anything well, else. Lion with a Mic. Lion with a Mic. Okay, Lion with a Mic. Yeah. All right? So go to Lion with a Mic so you can get the updates on the world. That's all you need. Don't turn off everything else. Turn off Fox News, CNN. Turn it all off. Lying with the mic. There you go. All right, Ben? All right. Love you much, brother. Talk Talk soon. Tell everybody, Ben, you love him. Come across. Bye, Ben. All right. Love y'all. You're missing it, Ben. You're really missing it. Bye. (laughs) If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.